Let me pray for us, and then uh, we'll just make this, we'll get started, make this a good family discussion time. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you again for this morning and a chance to be together with your people to discuss your word and your truth to us. And so this morning, as we talk about um, your your doctrine of election, uh, would you help us to be patient? Would you help us to... Um, have our eyes open and, and our ears open so that we may see and hear things otherwise we couldn't? Uh, would you do that by giving us your spirit uh, or to, to help us see and hear? We pray this in your son's name. Amen. Okay, so as we mentioned, what, what are some of the things? Let's, let's take that first one and um, just, just feel free to shoot them out here. We don't have to raise hands at this point. But what, what are your fears about this? And, and maybe another way of getting at it, or what are, what are other people's fears about talking about election and predestination with their friends or people in the church? My fears, my loved ones. Your loved ones. So you're afraid, you, you, your fear uh, is talking about it to those that you love and care about. Say again? You, you, the, a fear you have is talking about election and predestination with those you love. Oh, okay, 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 gotcha. That, that's a good point because you typically, you know, number one, we're always afraid we're going to turn them off, right? Right off the bat, the walls go up. Okay, this is, okay. This is a strong doctrine. It's worse than the Baptists nagging me to drag me to church or actually telling me I probably don't have a chance. And, and, then, if you're dealing, and then if you're dealing with someone who's lost a child, a spouse, whatever, you get to that tricky issue of uh, what about them? And yes. The other wall that goes up behind, so. Yes, yes. So, Definitely the fear of, okay, what if, what if those I love are not elect? And then there's the fear of actually, when you, when, you, when you begin to think about talking to someone about this, of those walls that shoot up. Yeah. What else? Go ahead. I'm a little confused. First time here, I'm a visitor. Yes. Define for me election. Okay. Um, and I'm only I'm only pausing because this is not going to be a, we've had three weeks on this. Okay. So, but it's a fair question. It's a fair question. Uh, we're we're defining election as uh, election as we see in, in the Old Testament and New Testament of God choosing a people to salvation. Okay. So it is it is a uh, it's not a it's not a determinism type of doctrine. It is that throughout history, redemptive history, God is choosing, as, it, as in, in the Old Testament, who did he choose to be his people? Israel, right? Um, and then in the New Testament, that becomes widened out to be the church. Um, and then within the church, you have what we call the visible and invisible. Everybody that comes to church today, uh, we, we would probably agree that they're all not Christians, right? Um, not everybody that goes to church, you know, but if you go sit in the garage, you're not a car, right? Um, and then, but some of those people that, that are there in church are, and the Bible refers to those people as God's chosen. So it's, it's, it's a, more of a definition of, of, of sin, too, that the Bible seems to be very clear that nobody chooses God, and he then puts his uh, loving affection on, uh, on a few, or an elect, or a chosen uh, people. So that's what the doctrine of election is. Now, I know that brings a lot more questions so we're talking about 
what is the practical application of that this morning? What are your fears about talking with the, talking to somebody about this? Um, is that helpful? Yeah. Okay. Not saying you have to agree with it. Yeah. Not saying you have to agree with it at all. Uh, we're just. It's a Presbyterian church, so it's, it's a fundamental doctrine. Yeah. Yeah. It's but. Not but you don't have to be here. But, yeah. but you don't have to be here to believe that. Right. So that's all I'm saying. Sure. Okay. So um, let's go to that second question. How have you seen this done bad? Shoving it down their okay. Shoving it down people's throats. Excuse not to evangelize. An excuse not to evangelize. I think that's excellent. Andrew. Yeah. But their understanding of their depravity translates into this fatalism and then also appearing arrogant uh, in a way that you can say somehow shit's landed well for you, but there's nothing they can do. Yeah. Um, gosh, okay, couldn't, that's great. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. 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 Why talk about it at all? That's fair. Live it. Yeah. Oh, well, hopefully we'll kind of. That's a, that's a. I think that's a very honest place where a lot of people are. Is why do we talk about it at all? And you'd be afraid maybe they're not. Yeah. Live it is good. I'm gonna I'm gonna I am gonna move back to say I think it's I think there's there's an important way to talk about it, but I've lived there a good a good part of my life too. And Carol, you're talking about with unbelievers, right? Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, I got you. Yeah. Okay. I'm talking about everybody. Well maybe not everybody. <laughs> and we'll stay with unbelievers. <laughs> stay with the, yeah. Good. Yeah. Yeah. What, what, what he's saying, what you're saying, which I agree very much in, is that um, because maybe we're, we call ourselves reformed, or some of us might even um, subscribe to Presbyterianism, that doesn't mean we have to wear it on our sleeve everywhere we go. Mm-hmm. That there are places where there are, um, you know, contextually speaking, um, maybe that's not the first place people are are need need to encounter God. Uh, maybe they need to hear something else before they get to that conversation. I know for myself, I, and for some of those who were here two weeks ago, I mean, I sat in the church for 
four, eight years, eight years, I guess, before I really began to hear the doctrine of election talked about. I was not in a, um, a Presbyterian church or a Reformed church. Um, and then even after that, I mean, it took many years uh, to, to kind of get my arms around what this was. Um, and, and, and for me, at certain places, for, for, for that to come at me at a certain stage in my life, I mean, God's sovereign over all things, but I think he gives us minds to be able to empathize and to understand where people are, that sometimes that's, too, that, that's not where I need to, it's not what I need to hear first. Um, and so we need to have that in mind. I think some of us, I think, in, at least in my history within the PCA especially, is that this is sort of the first thing that's wielded. You know, especially with, um, I know Darwin mentioned last week that you should not talk for five years after you <laughs> become reformed. <laughs> yeah. uh, there's so much truth to that. Also, after you, after you graduate seminary, you should not talk for six years. <laughs> so, um, yes, Liz. Huh. Yeah, well, that's good. Thanks. Oh. I don't have a fear about talking to people about it um, because I don't know the answer. Because I really don't know. I accept it because God said it. But I find that there's a lot of things in the Bible that I don't fully understand. But there's a lot I do because He makes it very clear. But I find that. I can tell them about salvation, where it's spoken of clearly. Mm-hmm. But I, I can't let myself delve into that because I really don't know. Right, right. This is a good segue to this last question. How would you talk to someone about this? Yeah, I, I think um, sort of what I hear you saying, you're saying it's okay to just talk about Jesus and have people think that Jesus, have them wrestle with Jesus and who he is and make a profession of faith, right? It's kind of like, sure, um, well, one, one of the things I, I think about with that illustration, which I think this is fair, I'm sure there's, it breaks down at some point. It's, it's, you know, when we buy a car, we don't buy the car after we know every little detail of how the engine works, how that material was put together and welded, right? No, I mean, we would not have cars. At this, you know, we would just still be learning about the cars. Uh, we kind of get an idea, like, this is going to do what I need it to do, right? <laughs> Jesus is going to bring me salvation. This is, this is my, my, my sin problem. And then once we kind of get in those circles, we begin to, what, learn more about these things. And that's sometimes, and for some people, that is where they need to be. And then <clears throat> maybe two to three years later, um, 
that conversation can begin to come up a little bit as we get deeper and deeper into the Christian faith itself. So that's, that's one option. I think that's really good. Oh, go ahead, Andrew. able to tell him, it's okay for you to acknowledge that you're not uh, a believer or you're not religious, because he grew up in a religious home. And I say, it, you, you don't have to uh, you don't have to pretend or do anything. This is free to explore. And so I didn't have that pressure and boy, I, I better do all this right. I better, uh, you know, this this is on my shoulders. You know, I just, you know, I just was able to uh, lay things open to him and say, hey, let's just take a look at this. Uh, it's something that, mm-hmm. you know, God's going to work in your life, and that's awesome. Yeah. You know, just to call the pressure off of me. So it, it's really encouraged me in terms of evangelism. Yeah. That's why I want to land the play on those two comments, and then I want to open the floor up to questions. So, oh, yes, Mr. Ben. Well, I was just going to say, um, and you said this at the outset, and then you refreshed, that this is not our doctrine. This is God's doctrine. And I would try to read a verse in Scripture. Mm-hmm. wrestle with that. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, heard, I heard the best thing. Um, I, was in the, I was upstairs with the Seeger High um, talking about this. They wanted to talk about it uh, last week, so I missed last week. Um, and uh, and I, my first time with you, this is probably not going to be surprising to y'all, so this is, but for me, being around a lot of, of, of PCA youth groups, you know, you kind of are working, you know, they've got this you know, rich, bold theology, and you're kind of having to soften the edges on that a little bit. Um, and so I said, well, what, what, do you, what do you think election uh, is supposed to create within you as you understand it? And, you know, I was kind of expecting nothing for a while, then maybe like, um, sorry if I'm sounding like I'm not, you know, thinking the best or expecting our youth to know what, how to answer questions, but this is just part of my own baggage that I bring to the church. Um, but a fellow in the back raises his hand and just says, humility. I was like, oh, okay, we're, we're done here. <laughs> Let's close in prayer. And it, it, that, that, that's the first thing. Um, 
if election or predestination is not producing humility in you, then there's some disconnect about what you think that it is um, or some disconnect about uh, what you think sin is in your life um, or, or maybe more importantly, the role of Jesus um, throughout all history. So uh, that's the first thing. The second thing is that in our evangelism, and, and I say that as, as, move, as, as we are absolutely called to evangelize, even though we believe this, that they really, they really are kind of two separate roads of the, of the track, but they, um, they give us such confidence in knowing that as I'm called to be faithful to go out and talk to people about Jesus, um, whom he decides to lead to himself, um, whom he decides to soften that heart, uh, as, we, as we, we talk about, is not up to me. And it's not up to you. And so where, where, where I think a lot of people wrestle with this, especially with the fears here, is, you know, what do I say? What do I say? And we get so bogged down in what it is we're going to say. What if I say something wrong? And, and you know, you probably are going to say something wrong, right? I mean, you're sinful, right? But at the same time, the more you do this, the more you talk to people, not necessarily always about election, of course, but anything as you talk to them about Jesus, um, your, your confidence is in the fact that the Spirit is the one that changes people. We all believe that. The Spirit is the one who does the work in people's lives. We're to be faithful and present and, and you know, to sow that seed, so to speak, and to allow the Holy Spirit to either decide to allow that to grow or not. Um, and that, that allows us to go, go home and go to bed at night and rest our head and say, I, did, I, I think I did whatever I was called to be faithful to do, and now it's up to the Holy Spirit. Um, yes? You're not in it, right? But the Bible doesn't talk that way. The Bible, like, when God talked to Abraham, he said, your descendants are like the stars of the sky, right? Mm-hmm. And in the New Testament, he talks, always talks about the many. You look in Revelation, there's this enormous throng around God's throne. So I think, you know, when we approach this, it's, we can, some, we can actually almost be happy about because God is, is more gracious than, than we think he is. Yeah. yeah. Many, 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 many. That, that, um, that's perfect. I, I, I go back to Genesis 6-5, and uh, we read it last week upstairs. But it, it, the point is there's, no, you know, there's like a, like, where, how'd you put it? Um, it's, it's like a, pe- a yeah, that I'm just not in. Yeah. When the Bible starts out, the few proud, there you go. When the, <laughs> when the Bible starts out, there's nobody in that club, so to speak, because nobody wants to be there. Um, that's Genesis 6-5. And, 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 you know, God is constantly moving throughout history. But by Genesis 12, it's, okay, I'm, I'm going to call people to myself and I'm going to do this. Uh, it's been his plan since Genesis 3. So it's so hard for us, though, to kind of get back into this history. And, you know, a lot of times we start in Matthew. Uh, I know that was my story. Um, like I said, I went to seminary to read the, the Old Testament. And so I, I failed to kind of come into the story where everybody, where it all started. And sometimes we just need to sit under that for a little bit. But, um, yes? I think the, it's interesting to think about the culture that we live in today um, and what, how this enters into it. Because in most of church history, this doctrine was not a big deal. It was a given. Like, absolutely. God is sovereign. How could that not be true? And, um, and I, don't, I wouldn't even know if it's like a big deal. I don't think it's a big deal in like Christian circles. 
a little bit of thinking about it. Um, but in the world that, in the circles we run in where anxiety and depression and um, pressure and just a non-peace <coughs> exists so fervently, I mean, everyone you talk to has anxiety. All their kids have anxiety. I mean, it's just everyone is worried. Everyone is on edge. And I, 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 think the, I think the field is ripe for the harvest because what else can give you peace other than you can't jinx this. Like, you can't mess this up. This is, our faith is not in the doctrine of election. Our faith is in the absolutely finished work of Jesus Christ. And it's done. And, I mean, there are plenty of Arminians who don't believe in election but are re reaping the fruit of election because they have that peace, too. Even if they wouldn't say, you know, like, even if they wouldn't say it's because God chose me, it's, that's still the reality. And I just think it's something that um, is a beautiful thing to offer and a beautiful thing to show in the midst of your own anxiety. Like, yeah, I'm tied to anxiety. This is where I rest my head. And um, just to think about the culture in that way, mm -hmm. in a, if there is a fear to, to, to bring it to someone, that's the first thing I would bring. Like, yeah. there is, you cannot mess this up. If I haven't messed this up yet, you're not going to mess this up. <laughs> There's nothing. So along with that, the humility and the, um, you know, the, the pressure is not on you. Um, to go be faithful. What, what, along with that, what are your other questions about about what you've heard over the past three weeks? Have you all um, thought about, maybe, or have you had this happen in your own conversations with, with folks about this, or if it's come up, um, really leading with your own doubts and your own struggles with this? And we talked about this, I guess, the week one, that this is not necessarily, I mean, while it's something that I certainly believe, of course, um, there's, still a, there's still a struggle there. And I, I point to that to my own will, because I want to matter in all the ways that Jesus matters, you know, in, this, in that sense. I don't want to, I don't, I want to share his glory. Um, I don't want to give it to him completely. So I want to find myself somewhere in, as being the hero of the story here. Like, yeah, Jesus, you did those things, but uh, let me tell you what I did. Um, and so, um, so with that, there, for me, there's, to me, always trying to put myself into the hero portion of the story. And, um, and, and have, have y'all led with the humility or, or talking about how you just wrestle with this. Because sometimes that can be more convincing than not. That if we come across as people like, no, I've, this makes total sense to me. I've never had a problem with it. You're almost not human uh, because of the implications that it, that it has. Uh, but to really say, you know, this is what Scripture says. And I, 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 find, I find, I believe it. Um, and, I, and I understand why it says it. Uh, but it also, I also still have, you know, I wrestle with it too. But at the end of the day, I trust Scripture, and um, that that could be a very effective way to talk about it. Don't forget about 
I should put it this way, your own struggles and, and your own sort of narrative of how you've come to learn about um, the precious truths of Scripture. So um, we don't, we're not looking for people to come and talk to people uh, as, you know, PhDs. Um, you know, we want to be real. Uh, I hope there's no PhDs in the room. Uh, there probably is. Uh, we want to be, you know. We don't want you. <laughs> it's more than just cognitive, right? What else? Yes. Um, I'm going to, I hope it's not the devil's advocate just using that as a metaphor. Um, but, um, do you want, do you want, uh, yeah, well, maybe so. Because uh, I want this to go out to all the world. Thank you. Um, we, we have to, uh, here, here's a little bit of the other side in terms of talking with people. Have to bear in mind that, uh, number one, Jesus was a pretty good evangelist, we'd say, right? We put him in the positive side of that, all right? In a very public uh, forum is John 6. He's speaking to the multitudes, right? All kind of people out there. And to them, he said, no one can come to me unless the Father draws him. And he said, no one can come to me unless it is granted him by the Father. Why would you say that to unbelievers? You know, and I like to tie in with what Andrew said. One of the, and I heard the first time I ever heard a sermon on predestination was the first time I ever visited a, a Presbyterian church in my hometown. Uh, but he <clears throat> preached evangelistically on the doctrine of, of election, and I remember that it made me feel for the first time. You are helpless to save yourself. God has to save you. You can't save yourself. Now, as Andrews, if that's communicated when, you know, and, and we also, as part of our own confession, I couldn't save myself. And then tie that in with uh, uh, what Elizabeth was saying about Matthew. Look at the people God picked to be in the genealogy. They were pagans. They were uh, terrible people. They were harlots, etc. These are the people God chooses. You know, so it can be conveyed in a way to show anybody can be his, right? Because in the same breath, Jesus said, all, anyone who comes to me, I will not cast out anyone. And he invite, he throws it out to everybody. Come to me, come to me. In the same breath as no one can unless the Father draws. So both of those, it... It brings out the call to believe, and in case you're feeling helpless and you can't believe, you can't repent, you don't know how you can do it, God will grant it to you. God will give you grace to come, you see. Like in Matthew 11, uh, Jesus says, uh, I thank you, Lord, that you you hid this from the wise and you revealed it to children. Well, rejoice in your absolute sovereignty to hide it from some people and to reveal it to other people. Next breath, come all ye that weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. See, they're just fixed right by each other. So, I'm not saying, okay, therefore, go therefore and preach election, you know. But I am saying that there is a use for this. And when Paul said in Acts 20... I didn't withhold anything from you. I preached the whole counsel of God. 
there is a place for it in our discussion with people. It, it doesn't always have to be mentioned. It has to be mentioned wisely. It has to be mentioned in the right context. It has to, you have to deal with it carefully. But it is part of helping people feel and realize, I can't save myself. It also keeps people from saying, well, I can just come anytime I want to. I'll just put you off, and whenever I get good and ready, I'll come. No, it doesn't work that way. You better cry out to God to save you. That's your only hope that God would save you. See, it pushes people out of self-dependence, self-sufficiency, into absolute helplessness. That's what it did for me. Now, on the other hand, I was a youth director, and I've spent two hours under my desk crying, wondering if I was elect. Okay? Really, literally. I mean, I just... I was just struggling with it. And so what had happened to me was I was refusing the promise to come ye that labor and heavy laden and the free offer of the gospel. And now I was trying to figure out if God had chosen me or not, which is impossible, you know. But to believe the promise, that's what's held out to me. He doesn't say figure out that he says come, believe in Christ, you know. So... Even though I said all of that before, I realized that people can have a hundred wrong notions of election, and I've certainly had my share as well. So, um, but a little bit on that both ways. So. I'm going to bow out of here right now, so you can't answer me any follow-up questions. <laughs> We've got about uh, about ten minutes, so um, just for the sake of, of we have I can tell we have a lot of visitors here, which. We've said this before. Um, I've been in, I guess, a PCA church for 15, 20 years. This is the first Sunday school on election predestination. If this is your first that I've been to. If this is your first time here, please, I don't want you to walk away thinking, this is all these people talk about. Um, it's not. And we just haven't done this for, for a long time. And, and I even uh, those that are, uh, would call themselves regular members here, um, are, are beginning to ask questions about this. So. So when Chris and I kind of made a transition, you know, used to be a Southern Baptist youth pastor, uh, <coughs> and, uh, we were we were at home visiting, and some friends of ours were visiting the same time too, and they were uh, Nazarene background, and uh, he was just talking about going through Romans, and he was in the conversation, he's like, yeah, we're teaching through Romans nine, he says a lot of interesting things that sounds like God predestining these people, but we don't believe that, so we know it can't be what it's saying. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and so we're sitting there. My parents are there. And I grew up um, in a kind of a Methodist tradition. My dad was a pastor. And they're all like, yeah, that's right. And Chris and I just look at each other, and we're like, oh. You know, then they looked at us and said, you guys, you guys got the truth. And so we had a pretty lengthy discussion that had happened with parents before. And through that experience and many months on, um, the grace that I received from their love and support of us, even though that night they were very, like, we didn't raise you that way, uh, moments. And, uh, and yeah, so what's going on? We lose our son. Um, it's just so that they continue to reach out to us and say, we love you, we support you, we're hoping your kids do well, they come to our kids' baptisms. They don't fully embrace the theology that, that we, we love and adore. Um, but what I've learned from you is that 
the greatest understanding of, okay, we have not lost our son. And I haven't lost my parents mm-hmm. or my sister. Um, but it, it takes time to have those conversations and to be gracious to each other. Mm-hmm. And I think we have a, a greater appreciation mm-hmm. for it. I appreciate that, Dave. I, I, I hope somebody tells me this when my kids get old enough to begin kind of owning their faith a little yeah. bit. That, uh, you know, you, you see in, in, in both the experiences personally, so much of what we believe and so much of what we think of as Christianity um, can be and often is cultural. Um, and, and, and so sometimes those doctrines become barriers to, well, you know, this is, you know this, Christianity is more about having my family together in this church than it is about my family pursuing and loving Jesus more. And so I hope that at some point, you know, as hard as it may be, for whatever the reason, whatever the doctrine is they believe, I don't know. My hope that somebody tells me, hey, what's important is that May is, 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 is growing closer to the Lord and her faith. Not that I'm missing out on this sort of uh, Norman Rockwell-esque type of Christianity or whatever that would be uh, that I would have built in my mind, but that I would care about where they are, where they are going and what they're, you know, this is what her convictions have led her to believe because she's pursuing Scripture. <clears throat> we, we're going to talk about that, but I, that's what I care about that she's doing, even though we might have disagreements, as opposed to this idea, I've heard that a lot, I've lost a son, I've lost a daughter. Uh, it's a little, you know, there might be, you might be believing more of a, of a cultural um, Jesus there. Yes. I'm just getting closer because of the mic. Guilty, you know, and but some are chosen. Then back to that first question about my fears in presenting this doctrine to somebody. How do you present it without making it seem like God is unjust or unfair or is partial? Okay. How do you present this without making God feel like He's? Yes. Okay. Um, does everybody hear that question? This is a great question. Okay. Um, how do you talk about election and predestination without making God seem like he's unjust and unfair? And unfair? Okay. And this is, this is why this takes longer than... This takes a relationship with people, I think. But I, I, because now, now you're going into... You're, this feeds into everything. So let's go to the sin question, Right. Um, if you recall some of the some of the things we talked about two weeks ago about the presuppositions that people believe about sin, for example, are directly related to their issues or their beliefs in election and predestination. So, if somebody thinks that sin has corrupted them, for example, but not fully, that they can still choose God, then God's going to seem unfair if election is true. But if somebody believes that the Bible is clear that sin has completely turned us against God. Right, then election is going to seem more than fair, and it kind of comes back to that illustration that, that Darwin used. Do you remember the arrows? Oh, I'm sorry. that's okay. I just <laughs> so this. I'm glad. I'm glad we're talking about this. So a lot of people think that this is election, and so God's here. That everybody's going to God here, and that election is, is God saying, "No, not you." No, not you, because I chose you, and I chose you. But that's not election. The, the Bible, first of all, says that everybody is headed this direction. This is Genesis 6-5. This is the whole Bible. Um, sorry. 
you know, that our hearts are not, we, we, we don't believe. We don't do good. And so all of us are going here. We're going away from God. And what election says is God says, no, no, I'm going to make you come to me. Right? So that is, that is completely dependent, though, upon your definition of sin. And so that, is the, that, that would be a, a starting place. So that God is, God is unjust that this is essentially what's happening to some people. Okay? Um, but when people begin to see it like this, they're like, oh, so I shouldn't, I shouldn't really have favor with God at all because I've sinned against him. Um, another way to put it is, would God be just if he just annihilated everybody from the earth? You know, after the flood, if he didn't save and spare Noah. And if people say yes to that, which I think you have to, um, then why would you talk about it any other way? Does that, does that create more questions? I mean, yeah. It always does. And so this is the fun of it. Um, oftentimes it's a lot better to have a couple glasses of whatever. Uh, so. so really, though, I mean, did you establish or is this true that we don't know who is elected? Yes. And they don't know if they're an unbeliever. If you're a believer, you yes. do know. But if you're an unbeliever, you don't know, and we don't know. Right. So therefore, we do have the responsibility of being. Oh, yes, yes, yes. We talk about that. Okay. Yeah, but that's, that's totally fair. Um, and we can talk about it again. But um, I, I'm, I'm going to say this really quickly, and this will create more questions, of course. But we talked about it with the mind of God. So the mind of God is here. We are down here, right? And, you know, this is, this is transcendence, this is his eminence, this is Jesus coming to be with his people. This is how amazing this is. But we don't get inside the mind of God, even though we try to. And, um, and, and the mind of God has his whole plans for redemption. He has everything and, and, and all, all those who will be with him. All, whatever would be in the mind of God, we can't get there. And one of those things is we don't know. He doesn't tell us he's chosen. Go look throughout the Bible. There's no signs on anybody's you know, backs, as Spurgeon has that illustration. Um, so, yeah, we're, we're to, our responsibility, our faithfulness is just to, to go and present so the gospel. Love right? Yes. I mean, it can be, but look, it, it can be, but look, there's, there's also this. Okay, and this is another topic for another day. I mean, I have siblings too, and I'm like, I don't know. I don't, I, sometimes I see fruit, sometimes I don't, and it bothers me. And, of course, I believe that, look, the only reason they're coming to faith is that the Lord does a work in their life, and that's what I pray towards. But you'll know them by their what? Fruit. And so that can come later in life. I have no problem with the thief on the cross being with Jesus at the end of his life. And uh, it, it can happen any way God wants it to happen. But at the same time, we kind of have to take a step back from, see, we're getting into my, the mind of God. Or we're, trying to, we're trying to figure out exactly how it's going to happen, what's going so there, there is some of that there that I think causes some of that, that pain, that, that anxiety of, I don't see this in my, in my loved ones, but I'm praying for it, and life, we only have so many days, and so.
Okay. Yeah, we'll ask, ask, ask him about that one. Do you want to answer that? Yeah. Do you have a minute? Can I ask something more? Oh, sure. <laughs> Come on down. You're the new contestant. <laughs> Good he is, and that's not gonna 
that's not going to be my focus. But also, I see how if God hadn't turned me around, I could be just like my grandfather was. I'd be the alcoholic, person addicted to porn. You know, I just felt that waywardness. And um, so I'm not angry at my grandfather. I'm just sad for him because I threw his life away and he could have so much more. Um, and so I'm praying for my brother, okay? And, but I'm seeing him go like this. I don't know if he's going to go back that way. I don't know what the Lord has. But I'm hopeful because I know I have a God who answered prayer. And I know I have a God who turned me around. And he turned my sister around. And so I've got hope. And so I don't know where my brother's going to be. And I sometimes I see fruit and sometimes I'm like, what in the world is he thinking, you know? But I'm hopeful and that keeps me praying. And so I hope that gives some of you guys hope. Thank Sorry, you. That's okay. Let me, let me give this one little comment uh, in addition to that, and then we're going to pray and leave. Um, there's a, C.S. Lewis has a book called The Great Divorce, and it's sort of his picture. All right, there's some fans here. It's this picture of what he into, you know, thinks about what heaven would be like, and there's this one. Um, so this, this man passes away, it's about death, and he gets in this bus and goes up to this mountain. There's all these stops on the way. And he meets all these people who are sort of what's keeping them from going to the mountaintop. And there's this one relationship. It's this, man, it's this woman and her son. And or it's, a, it's, it's this woman who, if I'm missing this up, that's okay. But she, um, she, what's keeping her from going to Jesus is she, she can't stop thinking about how, I think it was the loss of her son. And, um, and how bitter that's made her. And... Um, which it, it could do that to all of us. And one of the things that he does a good job picturing is that what you begin to see in the woman is that what her real treasure is, what her love is, isn't Jesus, isn't being with God. It's, 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 it's being with God as long as this person or whatever it is is with me. And I think that's a real question we've got to wrestle with personally that, yeah, like I don't want to think about anybody that I love not being with me eternally. But what I also have to wrestle with is why am I wanting to be in eternity in the first place? Is it to have my little circle of people, my club up on the hill, and then God and his people can do what he wants to do? Or is it actually to be with God? And that the election helps me with this so much because even if I get up there, and this is not really what it's going to be like, but and I recognize my brother's not there, yeah, that's going to be sad for me. But isn't this who I want to be with? And so, and that's the question I have to re- deal with here is that, yeah, that's absolutely why, why I'm in this, so to speak. Um, that's what this is about. And so I would, I, I would also offer that as well. Yes, there's, all this is true and, and, and praying for people too and, and, and all that. I'm, I'm adding this to that is that I think that question helps us really figure out, are we in it for the things of God or are we in it for God himself? It's kind of a, a, a parable of the two brothers and... Um, you know, if we're people saying, well, I will only believe in this God if X, Y, and Z are coming with me, then you're, you're not putting your faith and trust in this God. That's not who you want to be with. Um, so I would leave it at that. We are available for questions after this. Let me pray for us and uh, let's head into worship. It starts in about seven minutes. <coughs> Heavenly Father, we thank you for um, this morning and, and just great questions and uh, reflection and feedback, and uh, we pray that you would continue to reveal your beauties to us through this doctrine about your love for your people. Um, would you help us uh, to um, to take this and not use it as we say as a weapon to, um, to to break over people's backs or to make them feel uh, shame for not believing this, 
Um, rather, would you take this, this theology and would you allow it to impact our worship of you, which is the point of it? Um, and so even as we head into the sanctuary this morning, uh, would that lead us there to say that the only reason we're here and care about you is because you have loved us? And that should do a number on us. That should uh, bring a humility to us like none other. Uh, we pray for those in this room who know loved ones that are lost, that are not bearing fruit. And we pray that you would have mercy on them as you have had on us, that you would bring them to yourself. Please glorify yourself through that. Uh, use us in that process, we pray. We ask this in your son's name. Amen. Thank you all so much.